Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Health Show. To The Health Show. And you're listening to The Health Show. And you're listening to The Health Show. Hi, this is Nayetta, and this is Carrie, and you're listening to The Health Show. Series 3, The History of Mental Health in America, Episode 8, Mental Health and Suicide, The Face Behind It All. Who is suicide? In 1958, the first suicide prevention center in the United States opened in Los Angeles, California, with funding from the U.S. Public Health Service. Other crisis intervention centers followed. In 1966, the Center of Studies of Suicide Prevention was established at the National Institute of Mental Health of the National Institutes of Health. This was followed by the creation of national nonprofit organizations dedicated to the cause of suicide prevention. Suicide became a central issue in the United States in the mid-1900s when survivors of suicide lost saw the need to mobilize attention and the political will to prevent the suicide in the nation. And according to the Centers for Disease Control in the U.S., there were roughly 25 attempts for each suicide death. And for young adults aged 15 to 24, the ratio is much higher. There are approximately 100 to 200 suicide attempts for each suicide death. Depression and other mood disorders are widely recognized among the most important risk factors for suicide. Reports, according to the Center for Disease Control, show that 98% of those who died by suicide had a diagnosable mental disorder. So if you are a listener to The Help Show, we would love to hear from you. Please visit thehelpshow.org and let us know how we can help you today. So, hey guys, um, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> Um, September is an important month for the health show. It's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. We want people to know that are suffering from this illness that your life matters and so does your voice. I want you guys to know this podcast was started because I lost because I lost my friend to suicide. So I know how it feels to lose a loved one. And so um, I have so I want you guys to stay tuned. We have amazing guests that I man look. I cry, okay? So get your <laughs> tissues. I'm not trying to make you cry, but it's a very powerful, powerful interview um, with a young lady named um, Tammy Finney. And so I want you guys to, you know, listen to her story and then also listen to um, our other guest, which was Ryan Waller. And he was so amazing as well, the professional. So I, I just can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about some suicidal um, facts or, you know, facts about mental health and mental illness. Why do you think that suicide is the leading cause of death in America? What do you think is happening, Nyetta? Um, Everything. You know, every <laughs> technology. Okay, let's narrow that down just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Help us out. Yeah, yeah. technology. Uh-huh. Um, I feel that the things that we watch on TV. Okay. Um, I think that, like the prime example, social media, we spoke about that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always outside. We're, it's like you're outside looking in someone else's life. Why am I not included? Why... Um, why can I be this person? Self-doubt is a part of that because you're like, you have all these why, why, why. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with it. But I, I think that um, just the way the world has changed, we don't communicate anymore. You know? But then some people would say with social media, we're actually communicating more. So how do you define the difference with that? Um, I don't think there's ne- there's never enough. You're communicating what you want to be communicating. So it's just kind of like, it's different when you're speaking to someone verbally and someone actually sees your verbal react, your actions and things. 
And so like for prime example, um, what are you communicating? When mm-hmm. you see people doing sexual acts, what are you mm-hmm. communicating? A cry for help. That's what you're, I'm not saying every encounter on social media is a cry for help, but there's a lot of cry for help on social media. Right. Yeah. You know, um, so about the over communicating, I think that's, that's impossible. But I notice um, in the way that people communicate over, you know, social media is like people will say things online that they would never say face to face, but something happens when they're, you know, you've heard people say we're hiding behind the screen. Absolutely. Those are called um, are those fantasy bullies or something like that or make believe mm-hmm. they're bullies, mm-hmm. social media bullies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you it, think that's a pretty significant impact? I, I think that has a, numbers. I think that has a lot to do. I, I'm telling you technology because remember when when you were a kid and I were a kid, we get into with somebody and it was between you and I, probably the school. Now you got the whole world looking mm-hmm. at you. Everybody's seeing you. Everybody sees you. It doesn't just move on, but it follows you everywhere you go. Absolutely. I definitely think that's a contributing component to it. And with all of these um, complications that our youth has, that adults have today, um, that social media and technology can bring, um, we have not yet um, brought that to a place of education for our mental, our emotional hygiene and our mental health. Absolutely. So we've got a lot more stressors and a lot more things to worry about, but we haven't really taught ourselves and our children how to manage and navigate. Absolutely. I think we're, we're becoming more aware, but we're just not there yet. I, I don't think we are there. I think they need to have class. They need to have like, um, what do you call it? Um, classes in mm-hmm. the in the colleges, classes in the schools about how to and manage. And it work. And yeah, uh, to manage, how to manage social media bullying or how to manage social media. Or how to manage stress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... I feel that's what I think yeah. that the that's the leading cause of death. So um social, <laughs> and then also what you see on TV. I'm not gonna say his name. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna say his name. But y'all know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a part of the strategy. Come on. Yeah. You're de- look. You're deporting immigrants. How much stress is on the kids? And you got people watching. You got you have other people at the schools watching how they're deporting and treating immigration when you have kids at school mocking other kids that are from other countries. Mm-hmm. What kind of stress is that? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I think that's one of those things that like the problems are so big that if you're not careful, you can really get consumed in it, whether it has to do with, you know, topics that you're talking about, yeah. or, you know, hunger around the world or, yeah. or whatever. Like they're, the, these are real issues, big issues. And um, if we're not careful, they can become very consuming. I think so too. So, I, you know, don't get me started on that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's talk about like you had mentioned that you had the friend yeah. that um, so I was committed her. suicide. I was be asking her this question. I'm I lost. You look. I start talking about uh, the leading cause of the leading cause of death that I got off track. Yeah, so the question okay. I have for you is: Has anybody close to you tried to harm themselves or commit suicide, and and what was your reaction? You know, I don't. I haven't had anybody like. You know, in my personal life close to me that mm-hmm. has, you know, attempted suicide or done self-injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely have worked with that yeah. a lot in practice. And it is hard to see people struggling to the extent that they are to where they would want to do that to themselves. Absolutely. Um, and I think like my reaction to that 
is always that of compassion um, and to stay calm Mm -hmm. and then just join them with where they're at, Hmm. letting them know that they're not alone. Um, I think that that's what anybody would need that is struggling with those sorts of things. But um, yeah, I I think like our audience is going to hear in those interviews is like once people commit the act of suicide, it just leaves such a hole. Absolutely. You know, so um, that kind of brings us to, you know, what, how, how about you? And you had mentioned that you had a friend whose death changed your life. Yeah, uh, my friend Layton, um, it changed my life forever. You know, I never thought that he would ever harm himself. Uh, I never saw the signs. Um, how it changed me, it makes me more cognizant mm-hmm. about the things that, that I say. Um, I'm I'm imperfect. And how you say them. And how I say them, yeah, and how it affects people. And so when I apologize, I, I'm i always quick to apologize, but, you know, I, I try to, why am I apologizing? And then once I figure out why I'm apologizing, then it's time for me to put in the work so it won't happen again. I'm all about working on self. And so with Layden's and with Layden's suicide, it really made me think about a lot of things like my day-to-day, um, what am I thankful for? Um, what can I change as an individual? How can I change as an individual? What, what should I should be grateful for? You know, you don't think about those things until those things are taken away from you. You know, they say that pain is the, um, is the best teacher of life. And I think that's very true. You know, um, his his death, I was in a lot of pain because it, it hurt my heart. It, that, that it's like a, it's like a, I can't really explain it, but it's like this pressure. Oh, that, it's a weight. That was, it, was, it was a grief. Yeah, it was yeah. a pressure I had on my heart. I loved this um this young man very much. He was a, you know, gay black male. We went everywhere together. Like, we got into a lot of stuff. <laughs> but when he left um, this earth, um, that pain was so on my heart. Yeah. And so I told myself, it changed me because I told myself that if I could do anything, I would spread more awareness yeah. about um, suicide mm-hmm. and about mental health. You know, guys, I knew nothing about before Layton had passed away. I wasn't, I wasn't aware. You know, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like suicide, you know, I wouldn't think about mental health. I, I, you couldn't even, even have a conversation with me about this. Like suicide, mental health, I'm good. But when you start really doing the research, we all have a little bit of some issues. Oh, for sure. That we have to sort out. Yes. But the thing is. To know to know how to identify it. See, that's where that's where I think people fail. You, if if you're not, it's like you go to school, you get a degree, or whatever you get the degree in, but you're you're more aware and more cognizant because you got an education, mm-hmm. and that's how I look at mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, went to school three years, just finished out my master's at Texas A and M, commerce, bam. <laughs> but um, I wasn't aware until I started really getting an education. You know, one thing I can say, we can move on, is that um, even though you are, you've gotten the education, you still have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and working is a, it, it is a process. It is. <laughs> That's what I would say. It is 
a process. So, yeah. Um, We're always in process of growth and of change. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, let me see. Um, oh, oh, and what's, oh, I mean, I forgot to add, I forgot to um, answer the other question. What's next for the health show? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're so like, do, 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 do. So what's next for the health show? Um, a lot of things, Carrie. Um, so I want you guys to know for right now, this will make 94 episodes. I'm Awesome. Man, I, I'm very proud of the team that I'm working with, everyone that's been helping, people that have been listening. Thank you guys so much. We're going to take a break because mm-hmm. that's a lot of episodes. It is. Okay. So we're going to get back in tune in 2020. So we have 94 episodes to be listening to. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a lot. It's good, though. But we're still going to be on social media. And so also we updated our, our website. Um, yes, yes, it looks really good. Yeah, the www.thehelpshow.org. We updated. It looks amazing. Um, if you guys want to, we're going to have a newsletter coming out soon. So if you want to know what's going on with the newsletter, go to the website, put your email address, and you know you guys can keep up what we have going on. Another thing, we're going to be doing more community outreach. So if you check out our social media, you'll see we'll be out here in the community spreading awareness as well, touching, touching hands. Like, hey, this is what's going on. You need yeah. help. Um, also, we're looking at CEU classes, which continue education with, about mental health, um, schizophrenic, and things of that nature. So, um, we're doing that. What else we got going on? Um, policies. We're doing um, policy research. Okay. So, yeah, I'm working with a young lady, um, North Texas Behavior, mm-hmm. um, Janie McZinger. She's helping with the policies. She's teaching me. We're doing the research. Absolutely amazing. So, we're we're Lots doing a really great thing. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of, yes, a lot of great things. So this is why we're taking a little bit of a break. <laughs> but we'll be back 2020. For the year. Uh-huh, for, for the, the year. From so, the air, but not for like, yeah. you're still working. Oh, we're still working. We don't stop over here. So what's this month? September. Mm-hmm. So we have October, November, December. So that'd be two months. To be 20, it will be 2020 for two more months. But then we'll probably... February, March is when we'll um, pick back up. I believe March, my birthday, March 27th. Put that in your calendars. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we have going on for the health show. Yeah, so stuff. I mean, I'm super excited. You see, I'm super, super I excited. I'm yes, excited. Good. <laughs> um, in this episode, we discuss why suicide is the leading death in America, the lasting effects it has on family and friends, warning signs, preventative measures, Follow our podcast, The Help Show, all one word. Follow our host at Nietta Reynolds. That's N-I-E-T-T-A-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Join the conversation, our favorite part of the recording. A podcast each month is participating in the great conversation that happens on our social media and also our comment section. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Help Show, Series 3, The History of Mental Health in America, Episode 8, Mental Health and Suicide, The Face Behind It All, Who 
is suicide. Um, if you guys don't know, this is Suicide Prevention Month, Awareness Month. And um, what I want everybody to know, I started the podcast because a dear friend of mine committed suicide. And so this is what brought the journey of the health show. And so if, if you guys are not familiar how this is an epidemic, we have 42.5 million Americans suffer from some mental illness and 16 people per 100,000 or one death every 40 seconds die from suicide. That's a tragedy. So today I have somebody really, really special um, interviewing for the show. Um, his name is Ryan Waller. He is a psychotherapist, a lawyer, and Episcopal priest. He studied philosophy at the University of Southern California and earned a law degree, master's in theology, and master's in counseling from Southern Methodist University. He is an author of two books, and he is currently writing a third on his intersection of psychology and theology. You can find him on Ron Casey Waller on Facebook, Instagram. He also manages the Facebook page Christians in Mental Health. Today, guys, we have an amazing guest. We have Ryan Waller. <laughs> Yay! Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Did yeah. you just hear those numbers I just punched yeah. out? Yeah, they're crazy. You know, and I love the way that you framed the question, who is suicide? When you look at those numbers, who is suicide? At at least a base level, it's 47,000 people a year in this country. So when you think about the who, if you take the mental image of a, of a football stadium, okay. it's filled, right? Almost right. 50,000 people. We lose every one of those folks uh, over the course of a year in, just in the United States alone. So yeah. that, that's the who. It's, yeah. it's, it's everybody. And that's it's so sad. And, and, and suicide and mental health, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your finances are. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't even matter what your sex is. You know, um, a mental health plays from from being chemically imbalanced, mm -hmm. from dealing with um, postpartum depression or PTSD or some type of um, issue that you have. So it doesn't start with suicide. What we guys, we want you to understand. Um, it starts with depression. Depression turns to suicide. Um, ideation then suicide. Ideation turns to suicide. Yeah, so that's right. we kind of want to break it down for you guys today. And you know, Ryan is a professional, okay? <laughs> He has this. So I'm excited to um, get this interview started. So let's get it. Let's get it started. Let's do it. So what should, um, first of all, what, how did you start in this career? Mm, yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so I've kind of had a varied background, um, but I landed here in the mental health world um, via the church. So I was first a lawyer and then I went to work in the church. Um, I went to seminary and law school concurrently, so I always had the interest, but I taught religion for a few years and then uh, became a priest and served in the church. And it was really working with people, right, in the day-to-day, -day, first with adolescents in a school and then just sort of uh, everybody in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, I recognized that there were a lot of things going on, right, <laughs> in my faith community um, that weren't necessarily addressed by the faith community. So. I had a lot of folks that were coming to me and they would come and they sit down in my office and they would describe their situation. And in my mind, I'd be thinking, well, this sounds a lot like depression mm. or this sounds a lot like maybe you're, you're drinking too much or, or this, that, and the other. Right. And what I found is that a lot of people would wait till the situation got really bad and they would right. come to the priest and sort of expect or hope that the priest could 
say a prayer or spend some time with them, this problem would be resolved. Right. I mean, I realized that there was something more systemic going on, and I began to suggest to folks, perhaps you see a therapist, or have you thought about you know, a support group? There was a great deal of resistance hmm. to that. And I think Christianity is not alone. I think this is probably pretty common. I know it's common. I talked to other uh, people of different faiths. Right. That within faith communities often, um, the idea of needing therapy or seeking out somehow is, is something to be ashamed, uh, ashamed of, Absolutely. right? It's some yes. kind of failure of faith or it's a sin problem or whatever it was. And so yes. I just began to see the stigma that we know is heavy in, in our culture as is, but when you get inside faith communities, it's even more extreme. Huh. And so I really, um, not only, I, I not only wanted more tools to be able to address these issues, but I wanted okay. to help bridge the gap between faith communities and the mental health profession. So I went ahead and just went and became a mental health professional and okay. was trying to, yeah. So I try to act as a bridge between these two if I can. So you, so you have it like lawyer, counselor, you know, I don't, too much. Too, I love it. You, you can never be overeducated. I'm just uh, telling you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. is, do you think that, is it possible to predict suicide when you like, is it possible when you're talking to, you know, the people that come to your practice, you're like, oh, I see it. Mm. Or can you not see it? Mm. It doesn't depend the extre- how extreme the person's issue is. Yeah. So it's a great question. The research says no. No, we can't, can't predict suicide, right? Okay. So any kind of violence is... Um, at the end of the day, uh, even violence towards self is inherently um, unpredictable. What we can do, what we can know are warning signs, right? Okay. So there are things that we can look for and things that therapists look for, but there are things that all of us can look for. And so, you know, just a few of those, and some of them are obvious, but I often find they need to be, you know, stated is because people, they want to know, like, what should I be on, on, on the lookout for, you know? Okay. And the first thing I'd say to folks is just to take the people in your life seriously. And Absolutely. Word, right? Absolutely. So if someone starts talking about feeling down or someone's talking about their recent loss of interest and in what they've always loved to do or someone's talking about the fact that they're sleeping a whole lot more than they used to, right. take them seriously. Absolutely. Right? So it just starts with taking folks seriously and listening to them. Because those few things that I just stated, those are those are warning signs, right? Those can be, you mentioned depression earlier. Depression is the number one um, cause of suicide, right? Absolutely, yes. And so that's what we, for the most part, want to be on, on the lookout for. And so you want to ask those kind of questions. You want to look for the, for the kind of change in patterns. But also the thing that a lot of folks, and again, you'd think it would be obvious, but it's not is oftentimes people who do end up completing suicide mm. will talk about their desire to harm themselves. So, yes, it, right? it, yes. And so again, specifically with that, if someone's talking about self-injury or someone's talking about suicidal ideation, like you mm. mentioned, take them seriously. Absolutely, absolutely. So the question that I'm curious about that probably million Americans would like to know why do people attempt suicide? Yeah, the why. The why. The why is so rough, right? This is, um, if you talk to, in the, in the community, um, uh, folks who, who lose a loved one to, to suicide or themselves survive an attempt, they call themselves suicide survivors. Okay. And you'll often hear them discuss 
the grieving process to suicide is so complicated because the why is so complicated. Okay. So all of grief is difficult and takes time. Okay. And this is not to minimize anyone's grief. That being said, if a loved one of mine dies in a car accident, okay. right, even though I, there's going to be a lot of whys, like why did this have to happen? Why did you know, that person have to drink too much? Why did that person have to not wear their seatbelt? Whatever it is, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we can rationally sort of make sense of, okay, but I understand that, that car accidents happen. And I understand that you know, if two vehicles collide at a certain speed, right? And there's something that we can do with that that seems a little more concrete. When a loved one chooses to um, end their own life or, mm-hmm. or you know, dies by suicide, um, that why is not, not nearly as neat and compact as, as a car accident or a terminal illness. And so we're often left with why, 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 why? And and we can't know precisely, right? So it's difficult. And so I always want to say that because I just want to honor the pain of those who are still wrestling with the why. Which is pretty much everyone that's that's left behind from a suicide is going to deal with that why. What what could I have done? What could I have done, right? What could I have done, why? And what I would say to anyone who's listening that's in in those shoes, understand that um, it's not your fault. Absolutely not. It's not your fault. The person, the why behind it, it could be a plethora of reasons, but it's not your fault. So a lot of people die, like we said, from depression, right? right. They die from depression. That's why right. we like to, we not like to, but why we talk about suicide in terms of attempt and completed um, or die by suicide. It's this giving acknowledgement to the reality that um, a person just didn't decide one day to take their own life because they wanted to be selfish or something. You, know, you hear that a lot, like suicide is a selfish act, selfish act. And you often, if you talk to people who a loved one has died by suicide, they really cringe at that because <laughs> they think, no, 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 it's not, that, it's not that simple. It's not like this person decided just to wake up one day and end their life and then you know affect so many other people. Absolutely. There is a confluence of things, of factors going on. So mostly it's, mostly it's depression. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of um, substance abuse that's often right I- involved, and uh, as we know, for those who, if you if you're already battling some sort of um, mental illness, if you're self-medicating through any kind of um, substance, drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, typically doesn't make things uh, better, right? right. Um, we, we're we're seeing a uh, particularly high spike in suicides uh, amongst young people. They're Absolutely. ages 13 to, to, to 18. Uh-huh. And um, there's new research coming out about that right now, huh. um, about how we are processing difficult emotions and problems um, in different ways because we're so plugged into technologies. So we're trying to figure out exactly what's going on there. Because what you'll see is over the past 30 years, the numbers of suicides across, you mentioned this earlier, across yeah. all racial, demographics, all socioeconomic classes, all ages are going up, okay. but it's really, really spiked among young people. Absolutely. It's starting at like eight years old now. Yeah, it's really bad. So like yeah. if suicide is the 10th leading cause of death for the overall population in the United States, I want to say for ages 13 to 18, it's like the second oh, wow. leading cause of oh, death. My goodness. So there's there's lots and lots of whys, be it depression, uh, mm. despair, um, other forms of, of, of mental illness, but what we what we think we know and this is one helpful way to think about the why i have found that talking to folks who have either um really really struggled with um the notion of you know potentially attempting suicide Mm -hmm. or um uh 
talking to, to loved ones of, of, of folks who have died, I think it's really helpful to think about suicide not so much as a way to end life, but it's a way to end pain. Absolutely. So oftentimes, why does a person die from suicide? We think that they get to a point where the pain is so great mm. that they need to do something to end the pain. And they believe that's the only option. You know, I, I heard that suicide is like the pain of the depression of feeling, having suicide ideation is like bone cancer. Mm. They say it's like level, it's like stage four. Mm. And they say it hurts so bad that they just like, you know what, just take me out of my misery. Yeah. And so I thought that was a really great analogy. It is. Because I never had bone cancer or any type of form of cancer. So I, but I, I know what pain feels like. Right. So that extremity of bone cancer and that analogy of what suicide feels like, that's painful. That's, that aches, my heart aches for yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's really vivid. And it's really helpful because we can all understand pain. And so you think about the worst pain that you've experienced, whatever that is, and imagine yeah. that, um, imagine not being able to find relief from that. Absolutely. But it could be constant. And it would follow you everywhere, yeah. in your sleep, every waking hour. Yeah. You can't escape. Yeah. It's, 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 it's awful. That is awful. So you did speak about alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. being part of suicide. Um, does the alcohol and other drugs abuse increase the risk of suicide? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does increase the risk of suicide. And particularly... Um, Do you know a type of drug that would increase that or uh, amounts of alcohol? Or yeah, you see it with alcohol often, and I'm sure other folks could speak more specifically mm -hmm. to various drug usage. But what we do know is that oftentimes um, suicide can be an impulsive decision. Okay. And what we all know about is with alcohol, if you think about um, what sort of you know uh, impulsive decisions human beings typically make, right, when they lower their level of inhibition, um, Alcohol can make someone who's having these dangerous ideas yeah. more likely, right, you yeah. know, to, to act upon them. So um, I'd al always say that to, to, if folks are out there and they're listening, they are in a great deal of, deal of pain. Um, Self-medication through alcohol or getting drugs any other way than, other th than through a doctor who's taking care of you is just a bad idea. It, it really yeah. is. And, and, and for, particularly for anxious people, and I'm one of those, mm. alcohol can be um, a really a really easy grab right. because it lowers our anxiety pretty pretty quickly. Right. But over time, all that's going to do is, is actually increase it. And it's, go, it, it, it's not going to work. It's only going to work for a certain period of time, and it's going to yeah. stop working. You know, you, you, know, you just answered... <laughs> A question I was gonna ask you. Oh yeah. I was like, so as soon as I relate to impulsiveness. Oh yeah. yeah and so yeah. you, I'm like, Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Well, no, I can say something else about that. It's really interesting. Just the other day, uh -huh. I um, I watched this documentary, and okay. I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but it's about this young man who um, he has bipolar and uh, bipolar disorder, and he attempted uh, suicide by jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge, and he survived. And he's only, he's one of like, I want to say like 50 maybe that have survived that. Have you seen this? You know what I'm talking about? I have not, but the young lady that actually interviews jumps off the bridge, jumps off the 20 that I interviewed for the show. Really? Yes. 
Oh, and she survived. Oh my goodness, you've already talked to her? Yes. Oh goodness, well I can't tell you anything then I no, can't imagine. Well, I'm, no, like, I'm like, I'm telling you, you like, you're in my mind, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, my mind. right there. But tell me about, well, I don't the, know what, about what, the bridge. If she has a similar, um, a similar story, but this young man, and my friend got to talk to him, mm -hmm. uh, he said that the, um, the moment he, he left the bridge, mm -hmm. he regretted it. She did. I mean, the second he thought, you know, and, and, and then he hit the, he, as he was falling, he thought, you know, I'm going to be dead and nobody's going to know that I, that I didn't want this. You know what she said? Mm. She said, I can't even kill myself right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. She said she was so angry. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, yeah. it is impulsive. You, at that moment, you're like, I want to do it. Yeah. And then you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And so, you, you, you know, this is, of course, speculative, but you wonder of the, you know, the 47,000 people hmm. who go each year, if we could have them all back, you know, how many would make a different decision? Absolutely. I don't know. With that being a different decision, what are the most common methods of suicide? So you, so to, in my personal opinion, because don't quote me on this, guys. So, you know, I know you have, like, guns and then you like have people that jump um you have um medication overdose yeah and so it's in my opinion evaluating doing research those that use a gun they actually want to not wake back up they want to be done with yeah it. but those that you know overdose mm -hmm. or those that jump it's they're kind of still in an indecisive place yeah is that True, or seems is to it? be, yeah. That's what uh, the research uh, seems to say, right? That they're they kind of most research puts it into different categories. Like there's more, um, the more lethal and sort of less lethal like okay. means. And the two buckets, and and I don't know if all this is still holding up as well, but males tend to use more lethal means, and females tend to use less lethal means and i think you're right because yeah. i actually did some i i think i'm going to give you 95 percent. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you're yeah. correct yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah thank you thank you i'll take that so you see men um oftentimes more often than women using um guns right or um jumping off a bridge okay um or hanging hmm. uh, themselves and and um females more often overdosing mm. yeah on prescription drugs um yeah and that's tough to say and there's some argument right mm. uh, around that because it's, it's tough to say well is that a you know a cry for help or, or i'm not sure e either way mm. um you know <laughs> again huh. take it seriously yeah. absolutely absolutely so do you do people attempt suicide to prove something or to get sympathy? Mm, no. I mean, um, I'm not God. I, you know, I'm not sure. So, so, so some folks, uh, perhaps uh, that can happen, but oftentimes that's, that's a myth, right, that gets pushed out there that I think further shames mm. um, those who are, who are struggling with this or have struggled with it in, in the past or it's used as a way to dismiss and not take seriously someone who is perhaps considering it. So, mm. so for instance, just the other day, um, uh, there was this this gentleman. I won't say his name because it's not really my story to tell. But he's a really he's a really he was a, he's a pretty famous guy. Mm -hmm. um, his parents were really famous televangelists, mm. 
mm-hmm. and he's um, he's become well known in his own right as a writer and kind of a thinker, in a very different vein than his than his parents were. Okay. Um, but he put on on social media just last week that like a year ago, he had attempted suicide, hmm. and he talked about how it was one of the most difficult things to to say publicly because there's so much you know shame. Absolutely, right? that it, stigma it, behind it. Yeah, there's so yes. much stigma behind it now. Kind of carrying that as like a, a person who like tried, a, like and, a burden. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a you know like a burden. And so again, it just hit home with me. The, the the level of, of, of gravity to this issue and 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 I'm and I and I perk up a little bit when I when I hear other folks maybe saying oh that she just you know did that maybe did to get to get sympathy or, or trying to manipulate another person I mean perhaps per, of course I mean right human beings are really complex maybe right. for the most part like I would say so what hmm so what huh. a person's clearly in some pain absolutely um maybe confused misguided i don't i don't know you know my, my thought is uh if a person is willing to do something to self-injure that even gives them a reasonable chance of, of dying mm. um so what maybe, maybe they are maybe they are trying to get someone to notice them but you know what i want to notice them absolutely do everything we can to 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 bring him some healing, the wholeness that we can. Absolutely. So, you know, when, you know, people go to therapy and, or they seem like they're fine, um, why do people attempt suicide when they appear to feel better? Yeah. So you see that, you hear that a lot from folks, very confused when they say, well, so-and-so was doing so fantastic, right? Right. Um, right. In the days before or, or leading up, or leading up, you know, um, even, even like hours before, mm. right? Um, and again, we don't know for sure, um, but in a lot of instances, what we think is that, um, just to continue with our example of the pain, yeah. if you're in a situation and you've tried everything to stop the pain, you can't do it, right? and then you decide that you're, you are going to stop the pain. Absolutely. There's a sense of relief in that decision. Hmm. And so this pattern most likely is the result of the person knowing the pain is going to stop. Absolutely. All right. And so there's some relief in those, and you'll, you'll see kind of a, an uptick in yeah. their behavior. Yeah. And so they made a decision. Yeah. It's very confusing. Very confusing. There was a well-known pastor just, um, he died on um, World Suicide Prevention Day, which was um, September 11th. So just uh, just a bit ago, a guy named Jared Wilson, and he um, a lot of people were really confused by this because he was an outspoken advocate for mental health, right. and he's had a huge social media following. Hmm. And so, um, you know, I saw people like asking questions. You know, I'm so confused by this, right? It, he he seems like he was doing so well, even the day the day that he that he died. Okay. He had posted on social media that he was going to officiate the funeral of a person in his church who had died by suicide. And he hmm. was asking for prayers. Hmm. Right? And you think, my goodness. Like, And then hours later. He committed suicide. Mm-hmm. He died. And so you, you, you wonder, you know, what's happening there. It's so complex. And, of course, there's that added layer there of social media, of what's happening kind of at the level of social media and then what's you know what's happening with the individual right but um i I just use that as an example of how confusing 
the behavior can be. Right. And again, it points to sort of how unpredictable, right, right the, the behavior can be. Um, there's no there's no telling there. But uh, again, sometimes what you'll find is when loved ones are grieving mm. and they'll say, well, they seemed like they were doing so much better. Like, I must have really done something wrong. Again, just say, no, 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 you didn't. It very well could have been that the decision had been made. Made, absolutely. And they knew that there was some relief coming. You know what? It, I believe that because when you, it's kind of like when you go take a test and you prepare, it's like, okay, I'm relieved. I know I'm going to pass it or I'm relieved. I know I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail, right? Yeah, just, yeah, but you, yeah. you know there's going to be an outcome. And so the pressure that you had of stuttering, studying and being stressed, it's, it's gone. Right. And I can see that a person that's wanting to commit suicide, like, you know what? I'll be better tomorrow. You know, um, I think that when you feel like that, I think you should go to a counselor. Um, end of your life really doesn't, it, you, the issues are kind of almost still there. Um, you do have people you leave behind um, with the why, with the question why. Um, there's, everyone's life is valuable. When you think your life is not valuable, it's valuable. It's valuable. It's very valuable. Every Every person, and if you're, if you're struggling to that point, um, you, you're you right. Your pain may end, but the pain doesn't go away. It gets passed on. Absolutely. Right? Something, something to, to, to remember that the pain gets passed on. Um, but, but even more importantly, no matter how bad it feels today, right? Mm-hmm. what we know about human beings is that, is that we change constantly. And so you just don't know, right? right. You're not alone. There, there's, there's always someone out there who will um, be willing to listen. You may have to, you may have to work for it. You may have to call the right. suicide crisis line, right? right? But you are not alone. And that's the belief, I think, that we get mired in is that we are alone. It's ne- No one else feels this way, and it's never going to change, none of which is true. You know, a good friend of mine, he says, um, when you have 50 good days, one day won't hurt you. Mm. I think that's very powerful. When you, when, when you ask, um, like, you know, how you doing? And he would say, um, when you have 50 good days, one day won't hurt you. And I, those, when I think about that, when I have like bad days, I'm just like, I've, out of those 50 days, I'm going to have one, one day won't hurt me. So I think people that are going through mm-hmm. these issues that, with suicide, just think about that. When you have, when you have 50 good days, one day won't hurt you. So when you're thinking about, oh, my life is bad, or, oh, I'm miserable, or I want to take my life. Remember, you had 50 good days. Yeah. That one day won't hurt you. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a very, very powerful um, message that um, um, that my friend, um, Mr. Hunter, um, he he told me. I think that's it. It takes me throughout so many different days because we live in a society where days are are are, are awful. You know, sure. every day can't be a great day, but but majority of the days are going to be pretty good. So I, I wanted to say that because I always that's a little meme I have in my head like all the time. Yeah. Like you have one bad day, you would be okay. Keep perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a great perspective. Yeah. Um, so apart from talking to su- to a suicidal person to encourage him or her to go to counseling, um, what else can you do to help them pre- prevent from them? Having yeah. suicide. Yeah. Well, there's, um, 
there's a, a few things in a real basic um, way that the folks talk about this. And they say, look, there's there's five things we can we can all do, mm-hmm. right? For someone, if we're, if we're worried about a friend or a friend is talking to us about suicide. And just real quickly, the first thing is that we can, um, can assess, mm-hmm. right? So we can ask these questions that we were talking about before. If, someone, if you're worried about someone, ask them, mm-hmm. how are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling depressed? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Say it. Are you thinking about killing yourself? We're often yes. so afraid to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. People that are really, really hurting are, 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 are open to you asking, far more open than, than, than you think. Than you think. Than you think right? uh-huh. so, so ask these questions, right? Assess the situation. And then after that, you want to listen actively. Right. Absolutely. Like we've been talking about taking folks seriously. You will be shocked, right? Or we actually we all know this. People are terrible at, at listening. <laughs> so just being being the friend that's willing to ask the question and then sit and really, really listen without judgment. Right? Right. Listen actively and without judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think not having judgment is the is the main key. Oh yeah, that's like the main recipe. Yeah, yeah. Right there. don't don't. Hates me? No, they don't. You know, just w- whatever you think could be given in that moment, or hey, you know. You know, you have your phone, like, do you want to talk to your mom, your best friend? I mean, whatever it is that you think you can give. So you've assessed, you're listening, you give whatever information you can. And the last two are encourage. What you want to do is we want to encourage, like you were just saying, that there's professional help. So you want to encourage and say, look, we could could go go to the hospital right now if you want to. We could call a therapist right now. We could call a pastor, a rabbi, and a mom, like, whoever we need to call, right? That there's professional help out there. Right. And then beyond that, too, um... You can encourage um, the, the 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 self-help situation for themselves. The things that they can do. Take a deep breath, right? Right. Um, right. Um, uh, remind them of all the, the the abilities that they have on their own, right? These things that they can do. You know, if you know, you know, you know what they like. The things that they're they're good at. Whatever it is that they, you know, have found balancing in the past. So, right. just five little quick things and and. Uh, a lot of folks remember that, like by the mnemonic algae, A L G E. So it's assess, right, the situation. Okay. Uh, listen. Okay. Right? Give information okay. and then encourage, encourage. So encourage. So algae. So A L G E E. Okay. Algae. So not spelled properly, but <laughs> that way. Algae. Okay. No. So I, I think that um, I think it's really great advice because. Not mine. It's. Um, you said that's not my advice. You know, not, this... not my advice, but it's, but it's good advice. Yeah. Okay, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't come up with that. You did. Oh, yeah. I was gonna give you the props. You're mm-hmm. like, no. No, that's um, uh, uh, m- mental health first aid, I believe, out of Missouri. Who I got that from, but anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, I want people to know. Um, I'm gonna ask you how can people reach you in practice, which I kind of told them how they could reach you when we first started. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still can tell them again. Sure, you can find me at ryancaseywaller.com, and then you can find me at my full name there, Ryan Casey Waller, on Instagram or, or Facebook, or look me up on Psychology Today. So which one do you or which one do you um, respond to quicker? Um, yeah, message me through my website. That's how I got them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I was like, I. 
what did I say? Do I need to I need to talk to you or what what was the message that I I, I don't know. Yeah, it was something it felt like urgent. I thought is oh it's, it's just like I need you to call me or something Yeah, it was urgent. Because yeah. he's here. It was, it was yeah, yeah, I'm here, yeah. It worked. <laughs> it totally worked. Well, yeah. um I want everybody to just um oh, I meant to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you for interviewing with the show. We call it the TTT. I'm being I've been rude for the last two shows. I usually start off saying thank you, thank you, thank you, mm. TTT. So, yeah, so we are beyond grateful that you, you know, interview for the show. Um, I want people to know, you know, it is September Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, but it's every day. Yeah, it you is. should be you should be spreading awareness, checking on your friends, um, because you never know what someone is truly going through. No, you don't. You don't. And, you know, we live in a society where you see social media, everybody's smiling and happy. You know, they, they're they making their own, how can I say it without being rude? They're Not their own assumption, but what they want everybody to see pretty yeah. much. And it's false. I, you know, I know people personally, you're smiling. It's really that smile. They're hurting deep, deep inside. That's right. And so you, when you think someone is happy, they may be happy, they may not be happy, but still check on them and say, hey, I just call a check on you. How you doing? Yeah, just ask, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, like... You'll never regret asking a friend how they are. Hey, I, I, they can answer the phone. I'd answer the phone. I don't know. But That's at least right. you know that you called and check on, make sure they're okay. Um, do that with your loved ones, your friends. Um, what, I, what I find myself doing now, I, before I close, I'll make it quick. So I walk about four miles every morning from five to six, about four or five miles. And I pass by strangers every day on the street and I make sure I say good morning how are you doing mm. I do this every morning and you know one guy told me I'm not I'm not you know I'm not doing so well I'm hungry he gave me, he gave me three bucks um I passed by this other person and um I said how are you doing and one person I'm doing great passed by someone else someone's not doing great so I put this in I'm saying this because I I may know you, I may not know you, but I'm always asking, are you okay? Because you never know, you never know asking someone, are they okay? You might just save the life. True. You might just save the life. Being kind, you might just save the life that day. Mm. And I think people are not aware of, of, of their actions. Yeah, you know? That's a good word. Or the power of their actions. Man, right? the, power, the power of that question. Man, asking someone, are you okay? Is there something I can do? Mm. Being kind, those are free. Yeah, those are good. Well, I want to say thank you for listening to The Help Show. Ryan, it's been such an honor for you interviewing with the show. Thank you. Um, guys, I want you guys to tune in. Um, we have some really great interviews. Of course, you're hearing Ryan right here. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Wallace, and you're going to hear Tammy um, Finney, that's her name, um, for the next for the interview with the survivor. Wonderful. So, so excited. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Help Show. And please stay tuned.